Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I am your host, Charlie Chapel, and today we're going to get into part two of our international edition where we talk with casting director and president of the Casting Guild of Australia, Kirsty McGregor. Because this is part two, we're just going to jump right in, so I hope that you learn as much as I did. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Lion, mm. directed by Garth Davis, based on a book, A Long Way Home, by Suru Brierley. It uh, stars Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, Sonny Parwar, uh, Rooney Mara, incredible actress, uh, and David Wenham. Uh, the movie did extremely well. First and foremost, you won the CGA Award for Best Casting in a Feature Film. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Thank you. And, and Dev and Nicole were both uh, nominated for uh, all sorts of awards. I mean, it, it was a festival darling in a lot of different places. On IMDb, it says uh, there were 59 wins and 103 nominations. It is this incredible movie that will rip your heart out again and again and show it to you and then put it back and then take it again and then put it back and then take it again. <laughs> yeah. I, you're going to cry until you run out of tears is what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think both Dev and Nicole deserve whatever accolades they were given. The relationship they had, the beautiful scenes that they had with one another. But I want to talk about Sunny Parwar. Um, <laughs> this, this child is incredible. And I've always yeah. heard as an actor, do not act with dogs or kids because they're going to make you look bad at what you do. Um, yes. And, and I just, how, where, what, where did you find Sunny? And how much, I guess, is Mr. Davis responsible for pulling the performance out of Sonny? Because it is heart-wrenching. Yes. Um, So we found Sonny. We did a huge, not dissimilar to what I did with Animal Kingdom, uh, which is we went to all of the schools in, not all of the schools in India, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) but we had, we put on a fantastic casting team that was led by Tess Joseph, who's based in, uh, Bombay, Mumbai. Mm-hmm. And so I sent kind of instructions on what I wanted to happen. And, and it's different in India, you can go to the schools. So they would just make appointments with all the schools. And we did three cities. We did Delhi, we did uh, Bombay, and we did a, a smaller town called Pune, which is near oh, sure. Bombay. Uh, and she had teams of casting people. I sent a little, little, improvisations that I wanted the kids to do and they and you could see them they would be lined up all of these five-year-olds lined up at the school and the the little scene in the movie where Sonny goes Sonny sorry where Saru goes to he wants to go with his brother and he's like look I can come with you I'm really strong look let me pick up the bicycle Uh so we just did a little improv around that and I think they put around about 2,000 children on tape. And so, you know, every second day they'd be putting tapes into the Dropbox and I'd be sitting there watching the Dropbox and Garth, who's in Melbourne, would also be watching all of these kids on the Dropbox and we had a little system together where we'd sort of, you know, give them a, a green, orange or red, green being yes, orange maybe, red being no. And, you know, I would collate everybody uh, and then we we got it down to about 200 kids. And it was interesting because they're all speaking Hindi. So yeah, neither say, of us knew you, what they were saying. Do you speak Hindi? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but you can just see, but the minute yeah. you, you can. You can. You, you can just see it. Though it's also my belief that anybody is a better actor in another language. Like when I'm watching a French huh. film, I think all of the actors are brilliant. But, of course, it's because 
I don't know what their actual line delivery is. Yeah. I can see the emotion. They've got the emotion and everything, but I don't know if they're going, go out of the building or go out of the building, or I don't know what they're hitting. The intonation. You're reading it. So the intonation is all your own. Yeah. So it's like reading a book. It's always going to be brilliant because you're reading it oh. the way you want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never thought of it that um, way. Yeah. Um, but you can still tell bad acting. But So we narrowed it down to about 200 children. Um uh, interestingly, Sunny was on my yes list and was on Garth's no list that in the first instance yeah. to, to go through. But he's very shy and he's very quiet, but he just had this little husky voice. And I was like, oh, my God, I love him. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm kicking him into uh, the callbacks. Um, when Garth met him in person, it was different. But, yeah, so then we, did, we went over to India and we did workshops with these kids. Um, and so this is where the, the kids' performance comes in as well is uh, we have – an amazing acting coach, Miranda Harcourt, who's based in New Zealand. She's the acting coach. She's Nicole Kidman's acting coach now. Okay. Nicole met her. She met her online, and then she worked with her again on Top of the Lake, the second series that we did. Miranda is incredible. She's incredible working with directors, with actors. I would recommend anyone to, to work with her. Uh, and she was employed to come with us to work with the kids in the workshops, and then she was also employed on the film. So she was there with okay. Sunny throughout the whole process so and Garth is very I I really do think Garth is a genius he works everybody very very hard but you want to work hard because he is a collaborator he he wants to talk things through he doesn't he isn't the kind of director or megalomaniac that just goes everything is you know he will always make the final decisions but he collaborates on how he gets there Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's very, uh, he's gentle and he's kind and he's thoughtful and he communicates and and he he didn't go, I'm the best person to get the uh, performance from this kid. He's like, there are professional acting coaches out there and I'm going to lean on that and I'm directing a massive movie. I've got lots of departments. Yeah. So even though Garth is an amazing director, like we worked, Dev Patel auditioned as well and we worked with Dev for a number of hours. So that is... You did um, in the audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but not with Miranda. That was just Garth and I in London. We went to London and we did. We we auditioned people all around the world for for Dev's role and for Rooney's role. Rooney did not audition. She was she was offered towards the end. Um, but uh, but yeah, but Dev auditioned and Garth is an amazing director. But he also knows uh, that it is a team effort. I, I think that's something that a lot of like everybody wants to be that director who he scored the movie and he did the he's done everything. Look how crazy yeah. amazing he is. And Garth kind of does do all that. The you know the irony is he is so involved in every single process, but he's collaborating in every single process, yes. and he allows his collaborators to collaborate. You know, yeah. so he is a perfectionist, absolutely no doubt about it. But it all comes from the heart and not just from ego. That's great. Uh, though he has a healthy ego, I don't think ego is a bad word. I don't think so either. You've got to have an ego to be the best at what you do, but you've also got to be open and a lot of people aren't. That's a, a hard lot of directors balance. that I work with are not open. Yeah. Yeah. You can you meet a lot of people who have one or the other. They're extremely open and they want to ask everybody what they think. They make no decisions themselves, or you have somebody who is all ego that wants to make every decision, even if they don't yeah. know anything about the thing they're making a decision about. Um, yes. I think that sounds great. I think it sounds like a really lovely 
creative position to be working with him uh, mm. and and talking about him. We'll go ahead and jump to the next property that I wanted to talk a little bit about because he directed four of the episodes uh, and the pilot of Top of the Lake. Um, mm. It is such a wonderfully written and and performed yeah. show. Uh, it stars Elizabeth Moss, mm. David Wenham's there again, uh, Peter Mullen, Holly Hunter, love Holly Hunter, um, Robin Malcolm. <laughs> I just rewatched the pilot uh, in in preparation for this. Side note: it is beautifully, beautifully shot. Uh, Adam Arkapaw, well done. Um, His first film is Animal Kingdom. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's it's great to see him grow. And it's it's interesting to me to see. It seems like Australia is a very sm- tight knit market. Because you've worked with a lot of the mm-hmm. same people with multiple films. And I'm curious how mm. the the relationship with Garth has developed and with the other people that are around these filmmakers. How do you find yourself in that mix? Well, Animal Kingdom for a start. So I did a film with Joel and Nash Edgerton called The Square, which was before Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been doing... So Blue Tongue Films, this David Michaud, the Edgerton guys, Mira folks and I've been doing all of helping them with their short films because again we came up together um I did Joel when I was acting I did Joel's first ever acting job with him he was a featured extra and he had to rape me uh on a tv show (laughs) so so you go way back (laughs) we go yes working with those guys so I came up with those guys and and did the square which is a good film, but it didn't light the box office on fire. And then Animal Kingdom did very well for all of us, for Adam Arkapoor, for me as a casting director, because Animal Kingdom happened and then suddenly I had Emile Sherman of Seesaw Films, who I think had just won an Oscar at that stage. And I've known Emile for years and years and years, but as as friends I hadn't worked with him and he suddenly called me and said, um, are you interested in meeting Jane Campion about a miniseries? And I was like, oh, sorry, what? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> Um, yes, 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 please. Are you, yes, are you crazy? But Jane, you know, she's an auteur in the, in the, the, the proper sense. It's all about Jane. Every casting decision was with Jane. Uh, every, but she took on a group of people like Anna, uh, like Adam mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. shoot it and myself, cause she talked to David and, you know, talked to a few people and said, well, what, are, you know, what about this Kirsty McGregor person? And they, for some reason recommended me and Adam and Garth Davis, because he, it was his first long form, but he'd been doing really high end, beautiful commercials and was very well respected here, uh, as a director of, of ads. And so she, you know, took that risk there. So, you know, Jane, takes risks on on new people but not without cause like she will still but and and, and that's something that I admire about her mm-hmm. um and that role again Elizabeth Moss in in that I think everyone would probably assume she was just offered because she's so famous now she was famous from Mad Men but Jane didn't know who she was um she didn't. interesting no and huh. we'd been talking to A-list actors, but we'd also auditioned pretty much every Australian and New Zealand actress because Jane said she doesn't have to be famous, but if it could be someone famous. But also at that age, we, I think from memory we talked to Amy Adams who was interested, but it was a long shoot in New Zealand and Amy had a family and it was like it's just not the right time. And it happens a lot for women in their 30s yeah. when they've got kids coming to – Australia and New Zealand is a big deal, uh, particularly for a long shoot. Um, 
And then Lizzie's agent, Esther Chang at WME, called me and I was in LA. can't remember why I was there, but I was just there. She said, I really want you to meet Lizzie. And I was just like, oh, no, because we hadn't been looking at TV people in the States and we hadn't been really looking at Americans, only the, like a couple of film people because it was an Australian role. And she said, I want you to meet Lizzie. And I just said, oh, no, I'm pretty busy. She went, just meet her. I just want you to meet her for a general. And I was like... Why does she want to meet me? I'm just an Australian casting director. Anyway, I met her. We met for coffee and I was looking at her and I was like, Jane's going to really like your face. She's going to really like your face. She's going to really like you. And I took her out. We were at the Chateau Marmont, which sounds – wasn't my suggestion. Uh, we, <laughs> Too we posh. And, <laughs> oh, I, I like it there, but I just – it's because it's so pretty. But I was like, oh, yeah, it just sounds a bit wanky having a meeting at Chateau. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Australian. We don't line up for anything. We don't do fancy things. Um, I'm from Arkansas. I'm the same way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember somebody wanting to do a meeting at Soho House. I went, no, I'm not going anywhere that you need to be a member. No, oh. I hate that. And then I went there and I was like, it's so pretty here. Yeah. There is a <laughs> reason like, people go to Soho House. It's, it's gorgeous. I mean, hey, um, I could live here. Can I move in? Can yeah. I move in? I'll be a member. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but so I said to Lizzie, I said, do you mind if I take your photo? And, of course, you can't take photos at the Chateau. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I mentioned that that's where we were. And um, so we had to go outside into an alley, and I'm, like, taking photos on my phone of Elizabeth Moss, just going, I'm really – and I felt embarrassed because it was like you get this weird thing. Even though you're a casting director, sometimes you meet somebody of a – a certain level of fame and you ask to take their photo and there's just something when you're not in your office Uh it's completely different but you just immediately go back into oh god I just feel like I'm being a fan it's so weird but anyway I sent her photos to Jane and she's like oh wow I I I I like her face I was like "Uh uh-huh yep and she's got a good face so then I spoke to Esther and I said look I'd like you know Lizzie to read for this role would she read she said yeah yeah absolutely and so uh, I got my friend Sullivan Stapleton, who was in Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came along and, and helped me out as a reader, and they we did sort of an hour-long audition that I sent to Jane, and she really liked her. And then I was still worried about accent. I wanted her to do some accent, more accent coaching, and then put something else down. And uh, she did that, and everybody was happy that that she would get there with the accent, and, and that's kind of what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, and she just had the quality that Jane was uh, was looking for and I'd seen so many people and as soon as I, I saw her, I just went, oh, that's it. That's I think that's what Jane's going to want. What is that quality? Uh, can, you, can you define that? No, because it's, it's by, it's per, every role is different. Yeah. And this yeah. is the thing from a casting point of view, it's not about being the best actor. There is going to be a quality for any given Role and it, that you just, um, uh, yeah. I, I had a, a young assistant director in a session the other day, and she's actually an actor. And I said, Oh, is this your first time on this side of the camera in the room casting? And she said, Yeah, it's really fascinating. I went, It is, isn't it? You just you, you change your perspective as being an actor when you see when you sit on the other side and you can let go and go wow I need to go in and do my best work but it doesn't matter how good I mean you've got to be a good actor 
Yeah. But also it is how tall you are, what you look, you're too fair. I pictured somebody darker, I think, or she's really introverted or she feels more confident. It's a quality. It's a st- it, it often so comes down to who you are as a person is intrinsically going to affect your choices. Well, and there are that so many variables. Very bubbly. She's a very bubbly person. She's like, oh, my God, hi, how are you? Um, so it was actually her face that I was first attracted to, though, because she can also be very still. And yes. it's like Ben Mendelssohn. They're both actually – like Ben is an incredibly – he's – He's a firecracker. He's got a lot of energy to burn. He's always doing something with his hands. But then on camera, he can be so still and it's amazing. And that's what Elizabeth does. She can just, she just slows it right down. And that's that's what I knew because the character in, in Top of the Lake was very troubled. Yeah. Uh, and she's also an observer and we needed somebody who was able to just be still and observe. Be quiet. And, and, yeah. And be troubled and you have and, something going on behind the eyes when that's happening because a yeah. lot of people can be quiet, but then there's nothing going on, they're just oh, being quiet. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're just waiting, they're just waiting for the next line, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk, talk. talk I mean, talk, talk. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss, she is she is one of those actresses that is just great in everything that she does. Um, and when I first watched this, my thought was, well, shit, I didn't know Elizabeth Moss was from Australia. Uh, because it's so <laughs> rare, it's so rare that you see American actors going anywhere else doing any other accents other than mm. maybe a southern or, you know, something. Um, mm. And and through the research that I've done, it seems that uh, a lot of Aussies didn't really buy into her accent. Um, <laughs> which you know, it's it's like if somebody does a southern accent and. Because I have a, a, a very pronounced Southern accent that I worked very hard to get rid of, ah. uh, it I can hear and I can tell. Okay, something's a little off there. Although I will say Robert Pattinson's Southern accent in uh, Rover was incredible. Uh, it uh-huh. sounded it sounded like people that I grew up with. It was really well done. Um, right. I am curious why so few American actors are able to make that jump to other marketplaces, whereas you guys just keep sending us Hemsworths. I think it seems like that. But if you really look at it on a pro rata basis, it's not that much. You know, there, yeah. there are some Australian actors doing very well, but there are hundreds of actors from Arkansas and from, you know, from from all, all over. over. They, they, yeah. they weren't born in L.A. Um, so, yes, there are definitely, you know, people doing well. And um, Australians work really hard. Well, we have that, to do a lot yeah. with very little money. But also we grew up with... American television and British television, whereas Americans grow up with American television. Only American television. That's it. They don't hear other accents. They don't tend to travel very much. Nope. Um, Even sometimes with uh, talking to people in the entertainment industry, often, they'll be like, yeah, I want to go to Australia, but it's so far. And I'm like, it's like 14 hours on a plane. They're like, yeah, oh, my God, that's terrible. (laughs) And... You know, it takes us 24 hours to get to New York or London. Like it's, but we're just used to it. So yeah. we will travel because we're so isolated. Whereas Americans, as a general rule, don't seem to feel the need to travel. Yeah. They're like, why? Why would I go there? And, and of course, that's a gross generalization because a, of course, a lot of, of Americans travel. But I lost. I did an. I did a mini series here. We ended up casting Elizabeth Debicki in her first lead role mm-hmm. in a mini series. Mm-hmm. It was called The Kettering Incident. Um, I don't know if you know Elizabeth Debicki, but um, 
she's she was just a widow. Yes. Yeah. 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 I so, didn't. I did doing, not know her name, but yeah, she's doing amazing things. But uh, initially, the role was for a, an Australian girl who left. Australia at the age of 16 and she's been living in the UK Mm -hmm. uh, for most of her life. Um, So she comes back with the British accent and we were going to cast a British actor three in a row basically we did I went over there and I did auditions and we we did callbacks and three we made one offer that was a direct offer to somebody who did an audition and she took two months to say actually, no, I want to go to LA and I want to focus on work there, even though she didn't actually have a job. It's like, okay, thanks. Because she'd said that she was really interested. And then the next two people we had actually auditioned and they were both incredibly passionate about the role. And then when it got down to it, though, again, they suddenly went, actually, do you know what, five months Australia, yeah, it's too far. No, don't want to do it. Uh, And we ended up casting Elizabeth, who ironically I had wanted to cast in the first place. Really? The producer is is always very kind about uh, crediting me there. He he always says, "You always said it was Elizabeth Debicki," but everybody else thought she was too young, uh, oh. and she was very young. And I'm never one for casting younger women in an older woman's role. I hate it. But Elizabeth doesn't play young. It's kind of like Tony Collette has yeah. always played older than she is, and Elizabeth has. You would never know how how young she was in this role and I always said she's amazing she's going to be a movie star she's incredible she's incredible and she's Australian and nobody ever will have seen her so it's not like you're going to be watching an Australian actress just doing a British accent and everyone's going but we know that that's you know Uh insert famous name so in the end we ended up with Elizabeth Dubicki because our the the British actress who we contracted um two weeks before we started shooting actually went no I've changed my mind um, and I think there were other mitigating factors, but yes, we, we ended up with Elizabeth who is incredible mm-hmm. and I'm very proud of, proud of that as well. But it, that was basically just on Australia being so far people, yeah. one agent actually said to me, God, where we were trying to negotiate a deal. And she said, well, she's going to need a month either side to get over the jet lag. A month? And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but she said it's going. It was like a five months or four and a half months shoot, and she said, "Well, that's six months." And I was like, "No, it's four and a half." And she said, "Yes, but she won't be able to do any other work or be considered for other work." I went, "We're we're still in the world. We have Skype. <laughs> she can still do Skype auditions, and what like what she's doing in the UK, she can. People in America will still be able to find her in Australia." And she went, "Yes, but then there's jet lag. She'll need a month on either side." I was like, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable." <laughs> Uh, well, I would very much like to come to Australia and and, and do you some should. Work there. It sounds it and sounds lovely. <laughs> um, the last one that I want to talk about is Mary Magdalene. Um, like I said, I watched uh, it last well, night. Well, that's really Gina, that's really Gina J. So yes. I, I I worked with Garth here. I just did some casting because he wanted to look around the world a bit. But we only ended up with one Australian in that. So I can't really, other than, you know, and I would watch some of the the British auditions that were coming through with Garth. But that's more of a, if I happen to be in Melbourne and I go in and we talk about it. And we did some callbacks here, but we only cast one role from here because there was also an Italian casting director. So a lot of the Italian... Well, that's kind of what I wanted to ask about uh, in that vein. Um, ah. one, one, I really loved the movie. Uh, Wait, I, thought I don't it was... want to take credit. I don't want to take credit. <laughs> <laughs> Who exactly did you help find? Because you said you helped find uh, one Australian 
for Ryan Ryan Core is in the movie mm-hmm. uh, who plays uh, Mary's brother. Okay. Um, but we did we did do some casting for a few of the roles, but they ended up you know, he, and this is the the beauty of that story. Garth was able to consider actors from anywhere. So you know we had yes. French actors and British actors and Italian actors, and ended up with one Aussie. But yeah, he. Uh, um, and obviously Rooney was on from the beginning because of his relationship with her after Lion. Okay. Uh, and they wanted to do something else together. Uh, and Joaquin, they sent the, the script to and um, he went over and and met with, with Joaquin and fell in love. He came back and he was like, oh, he's so amazing. He's yeah. so wonderful. <laughs> and he was such um, a great Jesus. I, I, it was really wonderful. Yeah. I'm curious. For... Like to hear Rahim, what a beautiful performance from to hear. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Chiwetel was great. So, yeah. Chiwetel uh, is, is really great and, and such a great character to play opposite of Mary Magdalene in, in the story. Um, mm. What I'm curious about with, because you, you did work with Gina J on this, um, I'm curious how have you, while working in the Australian system, kind of mm. diversified a bit uh, and started to get work in the Hollywood system as well because you also worked on Pacific Rim and and have mm. have started to show up in a couple uh, you know Hollywood films mm. I didn't really so I really worked with Garth and with Seesaw on that I okay. didn't really have anything to do with Gina so that was because it was a Seesaw film uh, and I'd done line for them mm-hmm. and Garth wanted me to be working on it in some some aspect so that happened but you know, in the in the Hollywood system, I do quite. I do a lot of searches, which happens a lot more and more. Again, because of the internet, every I work for ABC Studios in America every year. I cover their pilot season for them. So all of the pilots, we look at a lot of the roles for them. I work with Twentieth TV, though they're of course merging now. Um, I work with them a lot. Uh, with Netflix, other you know, so things that are shooting in New Zealand or Australia, but also things that are shooting overseas that they want to find Australian actors or they're looking everywhere. So yeah. pilots these days, they just put a casting director on in New York and Vancouver and Toronto and Australia and London and oh. we are all doing searches and we filter our searches through to the lead casting director on the TV show and they're hopefully um, watching everything uh I think in some instances they are and in many instances they aren't because the volume for them has become so great. They're just trying to keep up with what they're watching, you know, what they're actually doing themselves on the ground in L.A. And I think the around the world stuff for some people is is just a backup because getting visas has to be taken into consideration and all of all of that sort of stuff. But um and, and, yeah, when things come and work here, like Taika Waititi was doing Thor. Yeah. Uh, out here and uh, I've known Taika for a long time but that still sort of came through Sarah Finn who does all of Marvel and I work with Sarah a lot who is a great excellent casting director I love her um um yeah so it also comes from having relationships with different um cast like I've got a relationship with Nina Gold in the UK because we've collaborate she did some casting for us on top of the lake I've done and you know and sometimes we just pick each other's brains 
you know, I'll have them like Robert Stern emailing me and going, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a bit of search, but we're not putting anybody on. Can you recommend some agents that we could talk to? Or I might call them and go, hey, I'm looking for, yeah, do you happen to know any Sudanese actors? <laughs> in, you know, so a lot of the time too, we might just reach out unofficially to one another and just go, hey, have you got any advice? And, and that's good too about the world getting smaller. Well, it um, sounds like you yeah. have a very, very collaborative intention in, in the way that you approach this work. Is there anything that you uh, are currently working on or that's about to come out that you're proud of that uh, you want to make sure people know about? Ah, oh, wow. We had a really great, uh, great big year last year. We just, I mean, there's just been an explosion yeah. of television all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to a stage that I was like, oh, I'm not going to keep up. And then a friend of mine who's he's a director and he's like, I want you to do this show. My brain just went, I can't, I can't, I can't take on anything more. But then I read it. I was like, I have to, I have to. Because <laughs> it was great. And, you know, uh, and a, a show called Die of an Uber Driver, um, which is just six half-hour comedy episodes. That's um, love it. Uh, yeah, about an Uber driver. Yeah. So there's like a little through line of what's going on in his life, but most of it, it's just, it's just the people that get in the car. So uh-huh. it was a big casting job because every single episode, there's an entirely new cast. Um, but and his name is Matthew Moore, the director, and he's just gorgeous to work with. Yeah, and we've got a, a few films coming out. We just had a few films at Sundance, which was, which was great. Um, Judy and Punch for Mira Folks, who's one of the Blue Tongue films crew, and that stars Mia Vasakoska and, and Damon Harriman. He's, uh, I was about to say it's his first lead in a film, but no, it's not. But Damon is, a, is an Australian actor. He's just played Charles Manson twice. Uh, he's doing <laughs> Charles Manson in Quentin Tarantino's film and oh, wow. in David Finch's series, the second series of, um, what's it called? Criminal Minds. Not Criminal Minds. <laughs> the Finches series about serial killers um uh, not, oh. not masterminds or not anyway, master, uh yeah i know which one you're talking something about something like that though, you know yeah yeah so to david fincher and quentin tarantino just both cast damon as as charles manson which is uh, pretty great both as charles Manson, and he's i mean he's a yeah. great actor i've seen him around his face is super recognizable and he, he does look a lot like charles manson <laughs> <laughs> When when yeah. you put him in the wit when he's got the whole get up on because there are pictures of him he's he looks oh great. already are there I haven't seen it again or he's just looking at him next to I... I don't know if there are actually pictures of him but looking at him next to Manson you All can right. definitely see yeah facial similarities yeah, um, yeah. and he's a brilliant actor Damon yeah. and he's he's having a moment there's lots of Australian actors who are, who are having a having a moment yeah which is which is really great. But, um, yeah, look, we yeah, what else do we have, Tom, that might go to, to America? Um, it's a series we do called The Let Down. It's on Netflix that I love. It's about a mother's group, and they've just shot series two, so that'll be on Netflix soon, which is available uh, in the States. A series called Frayed, which I'm not sure if they've got an American, American release, but it's a, a co-production for with Merman and a company here called Guesswork. Okay. Uh, and that's, I think, for Sky TV in the UK and, um, and, yeah, I and find here, it. and that's comedy. I so much coming out. 
I'm looking up. I'm looking myself up on IMDb. <laughs> I'm like, what have we just? Honestly, last year was so crazy. Mm-hmm. Baby teeth. Oh my god, this beautiful movie we've got coming out. Dark Ben Mendelsohn. It's his first movie that he's done back home since Animal Kingdom. Oh uh, great! I haven't sent him a script since Animal Kingdom. Um, but I, I sent it and I said, I think this is going to be something that Ben might want to do. And they and the director and producer have been talking about another actor and they're like, we're not going to get Ben. I went, well, let's just see. I think he'll like this. And he did and he came home to do it. Awesome. With uh, Essie Davis playing his wife, the incredible Essie Davis, and um, Eliza Scanlon, who she was just in Sharp Objects playing Amy Adams' daughter. Oh, yeah. And she's in Little Women, Greta Greta. Gerwig's film coming up, so she came home to do that. She's playing a playing a young girl who's dying of cancer. Um, but it's a comedy, sort of a comedy. It's black. Com- it's it's a, you know, it it's, it's a, not a, a bittersweet comedy on IMDb. Yeah, it, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, Lambs of God. That's something I'm really excited about. I just went to the cast and crew screening uh, last week of the first two episodes again. Andy Davis, who I love. Um, and endowed yeah from the handmaid's tale uh and jessica barden she's a young british actress who was in the end of the fucking world i don't know if you've seen that tv show but she's um, oh oh my god it's so good watch the end of the fucking world just for fun it's just this crazy sounds great comedy um about a young guy who just really wants to kill someone he's just always thought that he should be a serial killer and and uh he goes on this road trip with Jessica Barden's character and the whole his whole inner monologue is about, yeah, I really want to kill her. <laughs> she has no idea. It's brilliant. Oh, that's um, great. Anyway, we cast her and Essie and Anne Dowd as nuns on a remote island, Gothic island, and uh, Sam Reed as a priest who uh, comes and interrupts their world and it is bonkers and fantastic it's based on a novel and i'm so excited about it so that'll yeah, be where be... where will that actually be coming out uh, i don't know in america um okay. because this is the end of things i'm the first this is the other thing about casting you're the first yeah. one on and you're the first one off yeah everybody goes off and does that thing and here it's um foxtel it was it was made by foxtel and i'm quite okay. sure there'll be an american sale because yeah. Anne's in it and i think they've got um High hopes it's Sky in uh, it's Sky Vision in uh, the distributors in in London, but okay. but you know that's that's. Well, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it, and uh, you right. know I I have a couple sources that can sneak me things from overseas. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> very good. I don't think it's going to air here until July. So. Okay. Yeah, but Little Monsters, that's a film that we did with Lupita Nyong'o, Nyong'o and uh, Josh Gad and an Australian actor called Alex England, and it's a, a, a zombie comedy, great. Uh, which is great, and that will definitely be out in the States. So um, but that's produced by Bruna Papandrea and, and those guys, uh, Bruna, who used to have a company with Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Um, yeah, now, I did don't you, know. Did you you yes, worked with the director of that before, Abe Forsyth? You worked with him yes. on Down Under. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is a great film, and again, it's one of those Australian films. It was so good, and it was critically acclaimed. Uh, and it, it it's very hard to get Australians to go and see Australian movies. We just don't have the marketing. Huh. There's just no money 
to market the films and it's kind of devastating because everything gets swallowed up by Marvel or even just foreign films. There's something about Australians that go, it's foreign, it's from far away. Kind of like we like to travel. We're so isolated, everyone's so desperate for, you know, the outside world, I think, uh-huh. um, that it can be really hard to sell our own content. So often we are relying on word of mouth, but these days everywhere, if you know, you don't have that time to build a movie in the cinema the way you used to. It doesn't go off at the beginning, they just take it off again. So Yeah, yeah I was just yeah. I was just in a movie uh that came out here in the States for like a two week run, um, called The Kid. And it was uh-huh. So short of a run that, you know, people back home in Arkansas didn't even like a lot of them didn't get a chance to watch it because it was only in 250 theaters, even though it had Ethan Hawke and Dane DeHaan and Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a small budget. They didn't have the money to throw at. So it sounds like that's a similar issue that you guys have there. It's like every Australian film, unless Baz Luhrmann is directing it Mm -hmm. or unless it's Mad Max, you know. Um, that do have those slightly more studio budgets, but pretty much otherwise every Australian film is an independent film. I mean, we hardly ever make a movie that's with a budget of more than 10 million. And most Australian budgets sit around the three to four million. And it's because of the funding, like the, the way everything gets funded. It's, you know, we don't have studios that just go, great, make this massive, massive film. Yeah. Um, but rumour has it, Baz is about to bring something else here. Rumor has it they're about well, to do something massive I, at Fox I hope Studios. That he does. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm I'm very much for like I want to go back to Arkansas and make movies. I think people making movies about where they come from and about it's it's the diversity conversation that we're having here in the states right now um, that mm. I think a lot of places are having right now about diversity and and inclusion in stories that we're seeing because when you see stories, it's not just like I need to see a story about myself. It's I need to see stories about other people. I need to see those stories of the people who grew up in a different situation than I grew up. It, it, it grows our empathy. It makes us better. Um, so mm. I'm all about people telling stories about where they come from. Uh, so yeah. I hope Australia makes more and, and that hopefully something like right now there's this difference in Australian Netflix and the U.S. Netflix. I, I want to see more crossover with all this. I want more Bollywood here in the States. I want more yeah. Chinese films here in the States. The, the, I, mm. I think it's important that we start doing that. So I had think. another comment on that because you asked me before about, you know, why don't people know what you do? But also what people talk about a lot is why is there never, hasn't there been a casting award other than the Emmy? Yeah. And a, a friend of mine pointed it out to me very recently. Uh, he said, it's because most of you are women. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. So because the last award that was added to our Australian Academy Awards was the hair and makeup, again, mostly women. Yeah. Um, and he said because women don't stand up and go, ah, excuse me, they don't fight for their own rights. It's like, no, 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 that's fine. It'll be okay to be in the corner because if you start getting loud, people think you're bossy or, or annoying or think ambition is an ugly word on a woman still. Mm-hmm. It's getting a bit better, but... I don't think it's any surprise that the, I mean, of course there are men, there are male casting directors. Of course there are, but it's, it's a group of people who are not very vocal about standing up for themselves and saying, um, I'm, I'm actually here and I have a voice. You go, Oh, okay. You don't want to listen to me. It's, um, it's women who are used to being shouted down or ignored or whatever. And they don't, they don't put their hand up to be counted. Because, and, and still, 
get a bit embarrassed by it. It's like absolutely, yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I think, and and one of the things that I've talked to a lot of casting directors about is, you need to toot your own horn. You need like, yeah. Especially in casting right now, there are people, and I think there's a whole new generation coming up through that are like, screw that. I'm gonna toot my own horn. I'm gonna to- toot everybody's horn. There's you know some of these yeah. some of these younger casting directors that I've worked with that I've uh, talked with like Jessica Sherman or. Um, Amanda Lanker Doyle, like they're mm-hmm. super involved in the Casting Society of America, and mm-hmm. they want to get the word out. They're they're actively yeah. going out and doing podcasts, and they're going out and doing interviews and spreading the word about what it is that you guys do. Is that yeah. happening in Australia? Are there more and more people? Look, we're a very trying. small community, yeah. but even at our last at our last CGA meetings, which were just three weeks ago, and there had been a number of articles that had come out, and we were all just going, "Oh God!" Like uh, things that it filmed that Nikki Barrett had cast, or like again, articles and articles that never, ever, ever mentioned the casting director. Uh, and I've started when I notice it, I will email the journalist and say, "Hey, by the way, right. did you know that Nikki Barrett?" cast that film would it be nice to be in Nushu's Arquette's cast that film but I've encouraged all of the other casting directors to be doing the same and commenting on social media when casting directors aren't mentioned to go hey also great work by Anusha's Arquette or great work by Greg Gaps or great to not have to just toot your own horn and go hey can you mention me in your article but another. to actually be actively supporting one another yeah. um, as a community and as a as a group. And I think some people don't want to do that because they're competitive and that's fine. That makes sense. They're going, I don't want to, I don't want to give a big ups to another casting director because then they might get the next job and I won't. Uh-huh. But I think if we all, you know, we all work together, um, it's about raising the profile of casting in the first place so that we can work on getting better deals for ourselves. It's all about getting more work in future and getting better deals, having some actual rights because yeah. we kind of have zero and we work with beautiful producers who we love and it's very hard to argue with them because they go, well, but that's, that's, that's just what it is. It. That's just, that's what is, has been put in the budget. And I had to talk to a producer recently and say, Hey, I'm going to agree to this because we've already done it. And I'm, you know, you're saying that you can't do anything, but next time we do a show, you need to come to me before the budget is done. I need to be able to do a quote for you that is reasonable. You can't just have a line producer put a line item in the budget. This is what it is for casting. I just did a show that we needed to find 14-year-old Indian twins for a 14-part series for the ABC. That is not easy, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, and again, they go, this is the budget. I'm like, how can that be the budget? That's the same budget as like a six-part series. Like everyone's decided that is what casting costs yeah. in Australia. Um, in America, it is easier because they've been fighting for their rights and they get paid weekly. Yeah. And and it's amazing how much faster you get people to make decisions or listen to your order because they're on a budget or – they don't care because they've got so much money. It's like, fine, I'll keep working because you'll keep paying me. But here it's you keep working even though we're really not we're paying you anymore. We're out of money. We're out of we money. Need, but we need you going. to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk about casting all day. Like it's I I love it. And and 
thank you for what do you get out of this what do you get out of doing this podcast i get to learn i get to start establishing relationships with casting directors i'm an actor i'm a producer mm -hmm. i'm a I, I work in the industry the reason i got into the industry mm -hmm. in the first place was because i watched so many behind the scenes growing up i love behind the scenes I, uh -huh. it, was, yeah. it was magic to me you know you grow up in arkansas my closest neighbor was a mile away where i grew up we didn't have a lot of people so my window into the outside world was movies and television and seeing behind the scenes and learning that there were a bunch of people who made this thing has always been why I wanted to be a part of this. And to hear from casting directors that they're not getting a fair shake, that, that nobody's talking about the importance of what it is that they do. I mean, I, I've done I've, I had no clue what I was going into what what they were dealing with before or after I came in there why were they on their phone oh they just got a phone call from the producer that the budget was cut in half and they can't afford half of these people so the role that they're casting for right now that I'm walking in for the one line of hey how are you doesn't <laughs> that that is the furthest thing from their mind of course it is because there there's so many things that they're juggling so for me mm to learn about all of this. I also come from an engineering background, so I love to figure out how things work. It just allows me to perform better. It, it is, from all of these conversations that I've had, I've just become a better filmmaker. It's important to always be learning and always be growing, and I felt stagnant for the past few years. So there was a hole in the market too. Nobody's talking to casting yeah. directors. Why is nobody so, talking to casting directors? Do you know what? I mean, and this all uh, was interesting. You said what's the difference between Australia and America? But this, I did you read? I think it was in the New Yorker. Is hmm. it the New Yorker? And Alison um, Jones did an interview. Casting director, you know Alison Jones? Yeah, yeah. Am I going crazy? Yeah, oh, good. I suddenly went, hang on, that <laughs> sounded wrong. And I think this journalist followed her around for about two weeks. I mean, not constantly, but sat in on auditions and things. And one thing that struck me, again, about volume, uh -huh. in Australia we, uh, we give – it's changing a little bit because people are self-taping more, so we can't – we're not in the room with people all the time. Yeah. Uh, but – we would get a lot of people talk about casting directors giving direction and certainly in Australia that is what we do because I can't wait for the person to walk in the door and be right. And and this interview with Alison Jones really struck me because she was uh, with the producers and it was a producer's session or whatever and, and everybody had their five minutes. Every, the actors are booked in in five-minute slots and I'm like, five minutes? That doesn't give me time to say hello. And... It literally was actor comes in, hi, sit down, do scene, leave, two minutes to quickly chat about it, write a couple of notes, yeah. next actor walks in, does scene. And I'm like, and that's for Alison Jones. That is for someone walking, working at the top of their game. I was like, this is the difference. It's also having the taste. You've got to go, great, they were really good, they were really good. You've still got to have the taste. But you can also just wait for somebody to come in and nail it first go. Mm -hmm. there's no great effort that's needed in the room and that I'm not saying this is the way people always work of course but but in America in sessions it's just that the the, the factory line of come in go come in go because then someone would come in and be like ha, 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 they get it entirely and maybe that's great because 
on the day, on set, the directors aren't giving much direction. They've got so much to go on. They want an actor who's just going to come on and organically understand the part exactly the way they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, I've got to be like, yeah, he's probably not as angry as that. And they go, he says he's yelling. I'm like, yeah, but they don't actually really want that. <laughs> I know that's what they've written, but they don't. And yeah. and trying and having to give them direction so that I can, because they're all great actors. And I, I'm working with a director at the moment who's like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really seen him do it. Just direction. That's fine. He's a really good actor. You can just give him a note and he can do it that way. Oh, and But some people just want to see them do it. And in America, there is kind of that luxury to be able to do it that way because you could keep casting one role for bloody a year probably and not run out of people to see. Whereas here, you run out of people to see pretty quickly. It's a very small community. Um but you don't have to because you'll give them direction. I That's think Joel is one. Because it, because when you said you spent two hours with Dev Patel, I mean, hey, yeah. I mean that that like you never get two hours with a casting director here. Never. Do you know what? Dev actually retells it and says we spent six hours with him, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it was not six hours. He's like, yeah, it was this really intense audition, and and you know it was like six hours with with Garth. Yeah, but the same with Elizabeth. But where we were doing the Rover, every single actor that came in we spent an hour with them because i was with the director and i'm like i'm i'm auditioning people at this level so you know they're a good actor we're, you're not just gonna, testing whether or not they can act actors. i'm testing uh, whether or not they're right for this part and that might take some direction and i and interestingly great. i did a day of pre-reads uh with with some actors there uh and eight agents just saying please would you see so and so and i'm like Look, at the moment, they're probably not going to be in consideration because it probably will be a, a level of actor that we will end up with. Not necessarily Robert's level of fame, but, you know, down the down the list. And they're all auditioning. I said, but sure, I'll, I'll pre-read some people. But they're like, just pre-read them, just pre-read them. And I didn't really understand what a pre-read meant because I work with actors. And so people were coming and I saw some great people, some people who are really famous that I'm just kind of going, oh, I can't believe you're doing a pre-read. But I, I, I spent half an hour with each one of them. And I, I remember one guy and he sat down and, and he, he did the scene and I said, great, okay, so in the next one, I think maybe we need to give a bit more of this or blah, 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 a bit of direction. He went, okay, great. And then he turned to the next scene and I went, <laughs> and went no, we're doing, that, we're doing that scene again. And he went, what? I said, yeah, that was direction for that scene. He went, I get to do it again? I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I want you to bring to that scene. We can, we'll work on the second scene second. And he was like, oh, my God. I got phone calls from pretty much every agent that day saying, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like my actors just called and they just had the best time in that audition. And I was like, what do they usually do here? And I've learned now from reading articles like that and that a lot of the time it's come in, do it, leave. And I didn't have a concept of that at all. Um, I, I want to come audition and I in Australia maybe, now. <laughs> yeah well if nobody's here everybody's in LA they just <laughs> I spend so much time at my computer now I spend very little time in studio because but I still have my people working in studio and they are giving direction but because everyone's taping from everywhere I am now watching everything mm-hmm. I'm watching what's happening in my own building and I'm watching because there are so many actors sending their tapes from Melbourne or LA or everyone just moves around they don't have to sit and wait for the phone to ring in case they get an audition yeah well, I love yeah. your enthusiasm for this industry and what you do. <laughs> I, I really do. I think it's it's so important to have that at your core. If you're going to do anything great, you have to really love what you're doing. 
Um, and I can tell yeah. that you do. And I, I'm, I'm yeah. grateful to have this I conversation. Didn't sound like I was criticizing. Did that no. sound like I was criticizing Alison Jones? Oh, good. Because no, I was thinking, oh shit! I just it just so different that yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes I go, oh, imagine if I could just go, hi, do it, thank you so much, bye. You'd kind of be pretty relaxed by the end of the day because you wouldn't have to expend much energy. Yeah. And I'm sure then on other days she has to do a lot, and that was just that session Mm -hmm. but uh well and from an actor's perspective too like that is most of the auditions that any actor is ever going to go on they're going to go on a bunch of auditions where it's all right thank you bye please leave we've got another we've 150 people that are coming in in the next two hours so we gotta get you out of here it's interesting though because i do hear a lot of american casting directors talking all the time about we work with the actors and blah blah i'm like and i've i've been on films where i've been so i'm watching all of the auditions from all around the world and there are big directors directing and the auditions are being done in hotel rooms and some of the actors are coming in and i'm going holy shit, he's auditioning? And they sit down and they sit down in a chair and they're in an audition room and they go, great, and they read it and then the director goes, okay, great, let's do the next one. They're not even cutting tape. And and then they do the next one and then they go, okay, great, thank you. And I'm like, that was Nick fucking Nolte. Like, not Nick Nolte, but, you know, like like, like this really famous person just sat down and they're still auditioning and they're not workshopping or they're not, and and the director's not directing. Mm -hmm. What a... They're just hoping to catch the lightning in the bottle rather than create the lightning in the bottle. Yeah, all the time. With fa- uh, Anyway, amazing. Um, direction. Direction. <laughs> direction. That's the, you've got to direct them. A lot of directors can't direct. They're really, it's all about where they're putting the camera and, you know, and the overall, directing the overall image, but they're not directing the actors a lot of the time. Yeah. They're not working with the actors. Yeah, I learned that uh, in a bunch of different ways through my acting coach. Uh, she's incredible. She's worked with mm-hmm. a lot of really wonderful people. Uh, I owe mm-hmm. a lot to her. And she said very early on, because she's a very hard teacher. She she studied under Lee Strasberg and, you know, has that same kind of bite to her sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she said, what I'm doing to you right now is going to be infinitely harder than any day you're ever on set. Oh, yeah. And I love that. And I think that's super important for me, especially. That's the way I learn. That's the way I grow. Um, mm. And she's in, in, in every set I've been on since I've started to work with her has proven that statement correct, that the work that you go through when you're off is really hard and it can be really hard. And then when you're on yeah. a set, a lot of the times there's so much going on when you're on a project that has a lot of money behind it. Oftentimes mm-hmm. you get less from the director if you're if you're not you know uh, ethan hawk if you're one of the one of the people who's just coming in for a couple weeks and you're going to knock out a role you better show up get it done do it right Mm. you're not going to get a whole lot of direction and i remember on brides of christ that miniseries i was Uh telling you about which was my first major job when i was 18 or 19 or something the director never spoke to me and i went up to after about two weeks pretty oh well okay, great, you're sitting there, but, you know, like general, but yeah. never directed me. And I went up to him after about two weeks because I just went, he hates me. He doesn't even want to talk to me. I just like, oh, my God, I must be so bad. And I went up and I was like, I can. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I'm just like, I'm just wondering, is there anything else I could be doing? He's like, no, no, just keep what you're doing. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. And I was like, oh, okay. 
And because he wasn't directing me, I thought I must be really bad. And he's just going, oh, there's nothing we can do about that. And, yeah, I didn't have a concept of – because I was used to working in theatre. Yeah. And you get directed for Lots. four weeks, Yeah, you know. Yeah. I thought that's what happened on set. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. It was like, okay, let's have the act, act, actors on set. Okay, let's shoot it. And you're going, ha, ah, haven't even re- – what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you get a bit of blocking or uh-huh. something. But yeah. Yeah, I found filming, I admire film actors and television actors so much. I found shooting out of sequence always impossibly difficult. Like it is tough. having to shoot a scene before and, and, and you haven't done the scene that came just before and then later you do that scene that came before and you go, oh, man, I didn't picture it like that in my head and I think I've completely mispitched that scene yeah. that came after. I think anyone, yeah, who's delivering an amazing film performance is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Such great respect. I, I, yeah. I love the process of all of this, um, and I love this conversation. Again, <laughs> this has been yeah. great. We have to go. You need to wrap this up. You keep trying and well, then we keep talking. Well, no, I mean, I could I, I could continue. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Because, well, one, because my producer is usually here being like, uh, you're at like two hours and 15 minutes now. We need to stop. Um <laughs> I disagree. I could this? I could listen to these things all day long, anyways. So I'm doing this for my sake, anyways. Uh, mm. I right. I definitely mm. want to talk to you again in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I would love if there are because it is a market that I don't know very much about. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna check out the things that you recommended at the top of the show. But if you have any other mm-hmm. friends in the casting world in Australia, um, I would love to talk with them too to to really explore more australian cinema on my own because that's another beautiful part about this project another thing that i get out of it is i have a reason to watch a bunch of movies yeah pointed to watch them so i get to sit down and watch your career and then you know jane jenkins okay i'm gonna tell you some films right now from the 70s that you should see like like the golden era i mean there was this stuff in the 90s as well but Like Mad Max was 1979, but you'd know Mad Max. Picnic at Hanging Rock, seminal Australian film that just got right. remade into a miniseries, but you've got to go back and watch the original. Okay. My Brilliant, My Brilliant Career, uh, starring Judy Davis and Sam Neill. That was the, the, the movie that broke both of their careers. Uh, a film called Newsfront. Newsfront. Newsfront that's about uh, the making the news that mm-hmm. my stepmother was in. Oh, great. Angela Punch for Gregor. And she won Best supporting actress for that and the same year that she won best actress for was a film called the chant of jimmy blacksmith with her an amazing indigenous young actor who actually only just recently passed away what else should you watch amazing film called the devil's playground it was peter weir's first movie in 1976 and it's about the uh, the catholic church and a, and a young boy in a, in a boarding school it's an amazing movie that's probably enough for now. <laughs> I could. But then there's some of the fun ones, fun ones like oh, Storm Boy, Storm classic Boy. Australian film about a, a boy who befriends a pelican. Did yeah. they just remake that? Yes, they did. Because I thought that. I saw Don't... some. Sorry. It's not really. It's a, It's kind of a sequel. It is. They're still calling it Storm Boy, but it's about a new boy and the young boy from the old one who's grown up now and he narrates it. But don't watch that it's... one. Watch the watch the original. And another one called Sunday Too Far Away, which is about sheep shearers, uh, Jack Thompson. Again, and you'll see some of these films and you'll start getting to know all of these amazing Australian actors, Brian yeah. Brown, Jack Thompson. You know, they'll all start popping up. 
you'll see them again and again. Oh, and We of the Never Never. That's yeah. We of the Never Never? Yeah. That's set in the Northern Territory. That was in the 80s. This is great. I can't wait for all of this. (laughs) And I'll email you another list of other just great Australian films. Like Chopper. If you haven't seen Chopper, you've got to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, some other other classics, but but you know, yeah, the golden and maybe the golden era of cinema in the seventies. Yeah. Like well, my fav- favorite movie of all time is Kramer versus Kramer. I saw it, it is. when I was seven, when I was seven years old, and my parents had been divorced for a few years, and like I still I've probably seen it thirty times in my life, and I'm still the acting in it is amazing, and the boy Justin Henry is amazing, and I think that's why I love kids casting as well. I'm like, you can get the most amazing performances from kids. Though I think Dustin Hoffman tortured him a bit. But anyway. um, (laughs) I've heard those stories too. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. Kramer versus Kramer. Just Mm -hmm. a a great movie. Okay. You can go now. So much good stuff. (laughs) Uh, I I can't thank you enough. I really, really appreciate you taking all this time and and engaging. It's so nice to talk to you. It's been lovely. It's nice to talk about what we do. I think so too. Really good. And and uh, yeah. Like so I said, thank you. Let's do it again. Yay! Yeah. All right. Thanks Have so much. Have a wonderful day, Kirsty. Oh yeah, and thanks for saying Kirsty, not not Christy. Oh yeah. Americans Americans never always always call me Christy. <laughs> but yeah, Kirsty like rhymes with thirsty. Exactly. Thanks <laughs> Have a so lovely much. Day. You too. Bye. I really hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. I really enjoyed talking with Kirsty and have a whole mess of movies to watch now. I look forward to doing more episodes abroad. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. We are running dangerously low on likes and thumbs up, so any help would be greatly appreciated. Maria Perry, the producer, producing only as producers produce. Thank you so much. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs, connecting companies and creatives seamlessly. We'd also like to thank our partners at the Casting Society of America, and congratulations to all the new and returning board members. They are a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. You should also check out the Casting Guild of Australia at castingguild.com.au. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, be well.